0: On behalf of the Station Arcadia team, a big thank you to our patrons. Clausa of Fenrir, Antigone Brickman, Bronwyn Toth, Eris128, and N13E86. Hey, Bronwyn here, the voice of Ellis Harlow. Just a quick heads up, episode 17 is going to be slightly delayed as we work to make sure the extra special episode is as polished as it can be. Keep an eye on our social media accounts for more updates. Thanks and enjoy episode 16, Interview with a Storm Chaser. Are you ready to talk now?
1: Not much to talk about.
0: Sure there is. People need to know what it is that you do. You're doing important work.
1: You think so? Sometimes my work feels like drizzle to the hurricane of other Storm Chasers' efforts.
0: Every bit counts. Why don't you tell the listeners how you got started?
1: Uh... I guess that's an interesting story. You remember when I landed here, don't you?
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: That was a close call. Before I washed up, I really thought it was going to be the end for me.
0: But it wasn't. Why don't you start at the beginning?
1: Uh, yes, that that would make sense. (laughs) Sorry, not used to talking about myself. At least not on the radio like this. Are you sure it's important? That people want to hear from me, Marvin.
0: I want to hear from you. Um,
1: okay, well, um, here goes.
0: Oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I almost forgot. Let me say it. Welcome, anyone. I'm here with my friend Marvin H. Roberts, and you're listening to Station Arcadia. <laughs>
1: My story goes back to when I was a boy in Camnes. I was a bit of a coward as a kid, though it turns out that's not such a bad thing. I didn't want to fight in the war, see, so I found one of the only jobs exempt from service. Cowardice was a big part of it, but even then I knew there was something wrong with the war, that it shouldn't be a way of life. When I was just 15 my older sibling died in the war and it left an impact on me. So I decided I'd be a journalist. Then not only could I dodge the draft, I could help people by keeping them informed. I was wrong, of course. Kamnes only let me spread information they wanted me to. I'll never forget the first story I was assigned to write. I'd only been working with the press for a year at that point. I'd climbed up the ranks fairly quickly, from typesetter to editor and writer. This was probably as a result of having several mentors vouch for my writing, but (laughs) I think having a face this pretty certainly helped. Um, anyway, I was assigned to report on a prisoner of war camp at the fort. I'm... Honestly, not sure what I expected. I was too caught up in the excitement of having my first assignment that it didn't occur to me to think about what I'd see. Most of what I had read about the camps had been pretty routine. They were put to work sewing uniforms, assembling basic weapons, and other menial tasks to support the military. Their basic needs were accounted for, but they weren't kept too comfortable. That's what all the reports said. The government required them every month in the name of transparency. Transparency, my ass. When Thela and I tried to print what was really happening, we were nearly fired. I brought my draft to the editor. He read the first paragraph and said, We can't print this. What a load of cogwash. I wanted to cause a ruckus. Thela was more diplomatic. Wait, who's Thela? Thela. Oh sorry got ahead of myself he had a desk right across from mine he was about a decade my senior but we both wanted to do right for the people and we became good friends pretty fast so i went to the prison and saw how they were treating folks they were so malnourished and sickly i saw a guard beat a man for walking too slow and two women fight over a scrap of food if that was them on their best behavior for a journalist visit? So, of course, I wrote about it. But my editor insisted on a sanitized version. I expected Thela to share my anger, and he did, but told me we should just let them make their changes. said if we behaved, we could work our way up the ladder and make changes from the top. He, um... He never got that far.
0: Oh. I'm uh i'm sorry
1: killed uh in in the crossfire of a battle he was sent to report on i'm sorry yeah journalist deaths weren't unheard of but it was still a shock mm-hmm. i felt so hopeless for a while after that i threw myself into my work felt like i didn't have any option except to honor his memory but I kept coming into conflict with my employer over and over. They wanted me to print lies and propaganda. They told me to write that a group of protesters turned violent before the military did, or lie and report that the homeless camp the Camnes soldiers looted was filled with undercover soldiers from Surrigan. I couldn't do it. Except I had to. It's not easy to find a job without military service on your record. A couple years in, I was sent out on a boat to keep tab on what was happening in the naval conflict with Westerfield. But soon, storm clouds rolled in and the boat began to rock. Within an hour, the storm was upon me. The boat thrashed, the wind roared, and lightning lit up the sky. My boat nearly capsized and I with it, but suddenly, everything went. Calm. I was in the nose of the hurricane.
0: You mean the ear? N-
1: n- no, you know the part of the hurricane in the center of the storm that's calm.
0: The center?
1: No, the eye, that's what it's called, the eye. I was in the eye of the hurricane. For a brief moment, the winds stilled. An idea struck me like lightning. The eye passed, and the storm picked back up, but I stayed vigilant and fought through with a new vigor. Marvin H. Roberts would not go down that day. I thought of a group I'd heard rumors of, called themselves Storm Chasers. They allied themselves with the Resistance, followed the war, and reported truth back to the people. Ever since a co-worker had mentioned them to me, they'd stayed on my mind. Thela and I talked about it before, but never got around to joining them before he, uh, before he...
0: Before he lost him.
1: Yes. I thought about the storm chasers again, though. I figured, if they were really out there, what reason did I have to stay where I was? When the storm was over, I navigated to an empty shore, took a hammer to my boat, and did what I could to make it look like a shipwreck and left all my possessions I could spare. When it was found, I was declared dead. I didn't leave much behind. I had avoided making friends at work after Thela. My parents had died in a bombing when I was young, and my only sibling died in the war, like I said before, leaving me one of the last heirs of the Roberts family, aside from a distant cousin. From there, I set out to find the revolution, looked in Steveston, Clarecourt, and came up unsuccessful for the first week or so. It wasn't like I could just ask a random passerby if they knew anybody in the rebellion, but my answer came when one day I left at dawn to head to a soup kitchen. See, I couldn't get a job without signaling that I was still alive and my rations were starting to run out. But then something strange happened. I recognized the man who handed me my bread, and he recognized me. His name was Lou. We had worked together as journalists until he had gone missing a couple years back in a battle that he had been sent to report on. When he couldn't be found, he was declared dead like I had been. But there he was, handing me my bread at a soup kitchen in Steveston. We locked eyes, and he froze. His mouth opened in surprise for a moment and then shut. Then he just nodded, said enjoy your meal and handed me the bread. I made sure to find him after his volunteer shift ended. It was him, Lou, who led me to the rebellion. As it turns out, that soup kitchen was a part of it. Members of the revolution began organizing free meals for the resistance members. As more and more people began to get involved and contribute, they realized they had the resources to expand, to serve the larger community, and now they use it as a part of their recruitment method. They recruited Lou through the kitchen. He'd faked his death, like me, to get out of the Camness propaganda industry. He'd wandered around a bit, doing a few odd jobs under the board along the way, then winded up in Steveston. After going to the food kitchen for a couple of weeks, he'd gotten to know the people that worked there and the people they served. As time went on, they began to trust him and welcome him into their circle until, eventually, he joined the group in a formal capacity. Once I was there, everything was simple. Everyone took care of each other, and no one was starving. I wasn't meant to serve on the front lines. Violence was never something that suited me but I helped write pamphlets for the Rebellion to distribute and contributed my time to efforts like the soup kitchen. I probably would have stayed there for years if it weren't for Alston. See, Alston was a storm chaser, same as the ones I'd heard rumors about way back when. He stopped by Stevenson for a few days and stayed in one of the back rooms of the new speakeasy Snakebite had just set up.
0: Sorry, Snakebite?
1: A leader of the Stevenson Revolution. Ah. anyways. I didn't realize who Alston was or why he was there until he started talking about the war, giving real news, real information. As soon as I learned he was a storm chaser, I asked him how to join. Gosh, I missed sailing so much. He asked me if I had a preference for what kind of stories I was interested in. I told him I wanted to cover the naval conflict between Camness and Westerfield. Soon, I had a boat again and I set out with a handset and a notepad. Those were some good days, braving the seas. I saw some terrible sights, of course. That's the nature of covering a war, but I'd already seen the same things when I'd been a journalist. The only difference was that now, I felt I was actually helping a better cause. The rebellion isn't perfect, as you know, but it's better than whatever the government wanted me to support and it was a fun challenge to find ways to put the war into code.
0: Did it have to be a weather-related code, or is that just a you thing? It's, it's a
1: bit of both. I mean, calling battles storms, that's in the name, right? Storm chasers? But I like to think I put my own spin on it.
0: So what happened next?
1: I had only been a storm chaser for a year, when I was sighted by a ship from Camnes. I tried to get away, but it was way too fast. When they opened fire, I thought, this is it. I'm done for. The next few minutes were a blur of cannon fire and explosions. I cowered in the cargo deck, thinking each moment would be my last. Then, suddenly, everything was quiet. I watched through a hole in the hull as the warship turned away, not even bothering to watch me sink. I should have sunk, of course, and I nearly did. The engine was damaged, but I wasn't going to die out there without at least attempting to reach safety. I salvaged a backup generator. It made an awful noise, but it moved me through the water. I set off, hoping I was going in the right direction. From there, I think you know the rest. The fight had banged me up pretty bad, and I... I think I passed out from exhaustion a couple hours later. I awoke and, as if by a miracle, I had washed up on Arcadia's shores. Didn't know where I was, but you found me soon enough.
0: It would have been hard not to find you. You were making quite a racket, and you scared me a bit too, to be honest. I thought I was all alone, and then suddenly there was someone yelling down the shore. That was
1: quite the first impression, huh?
0: It was something. (laughs) More than anything, though, I was grateful to have you. I'd had a rough time, and I needed a friend.
1: So then I stayed and rested up on Arcadia for a bit. Tried fixing the wrecked boat, but wasn't much good at it. My handset got wrecked in the fight, and I couldn't communicate with anyone for help. Thank goodness Lysel showed up eventually and helped me fix it up. I never was any good with tools. By the time I was finishing up, though, I had gotten to know you and Arcadia, and I thought maybe you could use a friend on the ground keeping you updated. So I went back to Steveston, let them know that I was alive. That was a terry reunion. Alice nearly throttled me for making her worry, but Vesper and Bluebell stepped in. I'm
0: sorry, who... Alice and Bluebell? You don't mean Revolution Alice
1: and Bluebell. Ah, the very same. I thought I mentioned I knew them. You definitely did not. Have you told them about the radio? No, 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 no. I haven't been back to Steveston for months. I don't even know what I'd say about all this.
0: It's crazy that you know them. We're going to continue this conversation off air.
1: Sure. I. Really can't believe I didn't mention it sooner. Kind of like that time Theo lent me his flashlight for a mission, and we both forgot about it, and then he was looking for it, and uh, um, uh, Anyways, for what it's worth, I'm really grateful that I was able to be your friend.
0: Thank you. You've been irreplaceable. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for joining me today, Marvin. Your story is important.
1: Thank you for having me on the show, Cass. It's been my pleasure.
0: Listeners and Marvin, stay safe, stay moving, and stick close. You've been listening to Station Arcadia.
2: Station Arcadia is a podcast by Metal Steve Productions and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. It is produced by Eliana Esti and CVVM and directed by Tovo Brandner. It is edited by Eliana Esti and JR Steele, with soundscaping by Becker Huang and music by Theo Goodwin. Today's episode was written by Emily Bennett. It featured Jade Virginia as Cass and Dylan Ramden as Marvin. Join us on Twitter and Tumblr, at Station Arcadia, for more content. Join us on Discord to chat with other fans using the link in the description. Check out our website, StationArcadia.com, for a transcript of this episode as well as information on the cast and crew. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon. Today's Conspiracy Theory of the Week is... Gender. Hello there, citizen. You've lived in Guilt City for a while now. Maybe you've wondered... When you wake in the morning and retrieve the letters tucked neatly into your post box, just where your mail comes from. It comes from the night post, of course. Those faithful couriers deliver it while you're sleeping. All the better that they stay out of sight, and keep the unseemly strangeness that follows them out of our city, in the skelter where it belongs. Ahem. If, for some reason, You'd like to know more about Guilt City's conscripted couriers and the burden that chose them, their secret hopes and fears, the ancient, untamed threats that hound them on their nocturnal journeys. You have only to listen. The Night Post is a supernatural audio drama by an all-LGBT team, delivered weekly in dead of night to wherever you listen to podcasts.